to the Becoming Yourself podcast, where we discuss how to live more authentic lives and how to discover and embody our soul's highest purpose. I'm your host, Angelina Sage. The summer solstice is coming up, and I think that's a really good opportunity to delve into more of my energy healer territory and talk about our connection with nature. This episode will be released on June 15th, and the solstice is on the 21st, so you'll have some time to sit with this information before the actual day comes. The four days out of each year that mark the changing of the seasons, which are the solstices of winter and summer and the equinoxes of fall and spring, have been celebrated by traditional cultures for all of recorded history. They recognized the changing of the seasons as being momentous events, as each season had certain characteristics and almost like a personality, which was then echoed in the people experiencing it. I'm not going to go into the history of it. I'm going to instead talk specifically about the summer season and why we should even care about marking and celebrating the cycles of nature. This is a huge passion of mine because the disconnect that modern life has caused between humans and nature really breaks my heart. I think we're at such an incredible time in history where we are benefiting from technological advancements that are just revolutionizing life. And I'm not even talking about things like Wi-Fi, although that is pretty incredible. The fact that podcasting even exists is so new. And because I have an online business, of course, I'm really thankful for those kinds of advancements. But beyond that, I'm talking about things like sanitation. You don't have to look too far back in time to see that there were still cholera outbreaks that just killed huge swaths of people due to poor sanitation. We have running water. It's clean. It's incredible. These are things that we take for granted, but they're really new on the human scene. Okay, so we have these things and they're really enhancing our lives. But at the same time, I think it's dangerous to believe that technology will save us. The human organism is designed to live in very close connection with nature and the elements. And no amount of technology can ever change that. So I think balance is really important. Living in the 21st century in the developed world, we have luxury and privilege that earlier generations couldn't even imagine. We have abundance in spades. And I'm speaking generally, of course, because there are still plenty of people and even whole groups of people who don't have access to the things I'm talking about. But as a general rule, we have an abundance of money and time and all the resources that really allow us to engage in this process of self-actualization. This conversation that we are able to have here on this podcast about becoming ourselves, about shedding our old skins and living true to who our soul is at the core. These are things that require large amounts of luxury to even entertain. 
when you're in survival mode, this is not on your radar. So I want to be clear that I do not worship science and technology as so many people do today, but neither do I fall at the other extreme of thinking that we should try to go back to this mythical earlier time when a lot of people believe things were better. You can see this in the movement of people who are advocating trying to go back to a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. Those people really do exist. So I'm passionate about the fact that we can have almost everything. We can take the gifts of cutting-edge technologies and also rekindle our lost relationship with Mother Earth and allow her to help heal us. The earth has healing power in both the physical and the spiritual realms, and it's almost like she's just waiting for us to ask. So I ask you as the listener to just take a moment of gratitude for the fact that we get to be beneficiaries of both and all that they have to offer, both nature and technology, and that we get to pick the best and choose what works for us. But here's the thing, reconnecting with nature requires focus and intention, unless you happen to live in a very rural area or on a lot of land or both. The urbanites and suburbanites among us need to try harder to make it happen, but I want to show you that it's not only possible, but it's ideal. So I'm going to throw a lot of information at you today, but you might notice already that I have a tendency to do that. I get excited and passionate and I just throw out a ton of data. So this is going to be another note-taking episode if that's something that's helpful for you. So we're really going to talk about how being disconnected from nature is just another way that we are divorced from our true selves. But the upside is that this may be the simplest hurdle to overcome in this sense because it's about changing some daily habits as opposed to rooting out cognitive biases and dissonance from within and all these deeper and more arduous things that we've talked about earlier. So this week's suggestions are fun and a lot lighter than they've been in previous weeks. So I'm really excited about that. And it's appropriate because summer is usually a more playful time for people. So when I began training to become an energy healer, I started to notice all the references to nature in the classes I was taking and the books I was reading. And one of my teachers even offered this big weekly ongoing class on the seasons and the phases of the moon and just a lot of in-depth learning about the cycles of the planet. I found it really interesting because at that point I had already started to learn about a movement called rewilding which is about how to become more connected with nature as a modern human. So I was like, oh, this is a thing. Okay, lots of people care about this. There are 
elementary schools, especially in the Pacific Northwest, that are called nature schools. And in these nature schools, all of school is conducted outside. And the majority of the curriculum is actually based around the local ecosystem. Now, these things are still really on the fringe, of course, but they're growing in popularity. I personally grew up on six acres outside of a national park, so I'm no stranger to nature. We had vegetable gardens, fruit orchards, flower gardens, cows, all kinds of stuff growing up, and I was almost never inside. I was the kid who played in the dirt and climbed trees and was almost always barefoot. Now, when I became an adult, of course, that all changed, and I joined the ranks of all the other suburbanites who rarely interact with the elements on anything more than a superficial level. So when I found the rewilding movement, it made so much intuitive sense to me. That movement can get pretty extreme. I referenced it above. There are people who think that we should go back and try to be hunter-gatherers in this day and age, which I don't think is possible or even ideal. So I don't totally align with the movement, but the general principle I love, this idea that humans are a massive part of the ecosystem and that we would be so much better off living in more harmony with it. That's just always seemed really right to me. And then when I started my energy healing studies, those ideas just kept coming up again and again through that new avenue. So I figured this was a good time to start talking about it since summer is the season that most people tend to interact with nature the most anyway. There are a lot of ways in which our bodies just naturally sync up with the season of summer. With so much daylight each day, people tend to sleep less. Oftentimes the heat makes our appetite smaller and we tend to crave more cooling foods like raw vegetables and fruit and more water than usual. And these are things that everyone can experience even if you happen to live in a dense urban setting. We tend to be more active, hiking, swimming, camping, going to the beach, it's often a really busy time with vacations and summer camps and just more constant activity. And those are all examples of how we respond with our bodies and our behavior to the natural rhythms of the earth. I wanna give you some suggestions about things you can do this summer to reconnect to nature. And when I say reconnect, it feels kind of silly because we are nature. Humans are not and cannot be separate from nature. Every single one of the elements is required for our survival on a constant basis. The sun gives us the fire element, then the air we breathe is pretty obvious, as is the water we drink. And then the earth, well, so much of our food comes directly from the earth. The earth literally supports us every second of every day. Think about it. We walk on it, we drive on it, our houses are built on it. It is our physical structural support system. So what we can reconnect to is awareness 
and appreciation of how the elements support us, and we can increase the amount of time we spend in direct contact with them. Now, I'm looking at these things primarily from a spiritual and energetic standpoint, and I'll go into that more later, but there's no shortage on scientific data about how it positively affects our bodies, too. Studies keep coming up about how children who grow up with pets have lower incidences of allergies and asthma, and the more we uncover about the human microbiome, the more we realize that in addition to antibiotic overuse, messing with our immune systems, another thing that's messing us up is the lack of direct interaction with the soil. So while I'm not going to dig too deeply into the physiological aspects of this topic, I highly encourage you to do some research yourself if you are suffering from any health condition because there is a lot of gold to be mined there. So I'm going to focus on simple gratitude practices that we can do to reconnect to Mother Earth. The simplest one is to go outside, take some time to be quiet, and just feel gratitude for the incredible abundance of the Earth that sustains us. You can think about the yummy berries you ate that morning for breakfast or the lovely feeling of the warm sunshine on your skin. And you can think about how these things were made possible by the earth and by the summer season. And this is actually really important for me to do because summer is by far my least favorite season. I live in a part of Northern California where summers are very long and very hot, which is not my preferred weather. So I have to remind myself pretty often to find the good in summer. So two ways you could do this specifically is either sitting outside and doing a sensory meditation, similar to the cooking exercise I suggested in episode three, or taking a walk and doing a moving meditation. Either is great. You can get more focus sitting down with your eyes shut, but the cool thing about a walking meditation is that as you move, and the things change in your field of vision, there is more to see, there's more to feel connected to, and more to be aware of. So hiking distraction-free is great as well. The deeper out in nature you are, the more engulfed by it you can feel, which is just a lovely feeling. Last month, I was up in the Redwoods on the north coast of California, and it was breathtaking. So this summer, try to take more opportunities to do things outside. If you have a yoga practice, can you do it outside? Can you do your prayers and meditation outside? Can you walk or run instead of working out inside a gym? Just start to think about little things you can shift that would allow you to spend more of your life outside. Another thing you can do is eat seasonally. This is kind of weird to us in our modern supermarket system where you can buy sweet potatoes in June and tomatoes in December. I mean, we hear about it a lot, eat seasonally, eat seasonally, but that's still not the way that 
grocery stores are set up. So you can do it as little or as much as you want, but just taking notice of what grows seasonally in your local area and eating accordingly is really great for the body and for just your energy field. Nothing with the seasons is a coincidence. So the nutrients that are abundant in summer foods are exactly the ones you need to thrive right in this moment. Gardening is a great one. This needs no explanation. Gardening is a great way to connect to nature. Stargazing. Stargazing in some ways is harder to do in the summer because there are so few hours of darkness, but the good news is it's not freezing cold at night. So this suggestion is really for the fortunate among us who live in areas without a ton of light pollution. But for those who don't, you can still keep it in mind if you ever go on vacation to a place like that. If you have a telescope, awesome. But either way, I think that quietly gazing at the night sky is one of the best things you can do for yourself spiritually. Because I'm an astrology nerd, the night sky has extra meaning for me, but what staring up at the night sky does for you is it gives you this great perspective of the universe that you just can't, you can't physically see it in daylight hours. At night, you can see how vast the universe is, how tiny you are, and it's just the perfect time to visualize and just feel on a visceral level how we are part of the cosmos. It might sound like trite, but it's 100% true. There are so many different definitions of spirituality, but I will give you one of mine. Spirituality is in large part about the awareness and appreciation of being connected to something that is bigger than yourself, something that you can't necessarily access with your physical senses, but you know that it's there all the same and you know that it's real all the same. Gazing at the night sky with an open heart, a truly open heart is just a fast track to that knowledge and to that feeling. It can feel truly magical. And that feeling really is what you're looking for. Yes, the night sky is amazing, even from an objective scientific perspective, but that's not what we're doing here. I'm realizing as I'm talking that I'm asking you guys to turn pretty much everything in life into a meditation throughout this podcast, but really that's my jam. A huge component of walking a spiritual path or even a path of authenticity is learning to become present and stay present. So that's going to just keep coming up. So anyway, the feeling you get at staring up distraction-free at the night sky, you might feel awe, you might feel wonder, maybe even a little bit of healthy overwhelm because the vastness of the universe can be overwhelming, but tune into that feeling and just embrace it. Another thing you can do to familiarize yourself with the earth is 
start tracking the phases of the moon. The moon is a big one for nature connection. We know that the ocean tides obey the moon, which I think is totally a badass. And back when we were less disconnected from the earth, women's menstrual cycles also obeyed the moon. Women would ovulate on the full moon and their periods would start on the new moon. And this is why some women refer to it as their moon cycle. So the moon is very powerful, especially for women. It carries a feminine energy, which I will say more about in a minute. For astrological reasons, I keep in touch with the new and full moons as they all have different astrological significances depending on the sign the moon is currently in and also the degree of the sign. This is something that I will go into much more in future episodes when I start talking about astrology. But for people who really connect to the cycles of the moon, it's common to have practices around these cycles. For example, the new moon is considered a time of letting go and releasing things in your life that you no longer need. And you can do this every month, regardless of the sign the moon is in. You can just do a simple journaling practice on the evening of the new moon and reflect. The moon carries the qualities of being reflective, introverted, feminine, calm, nurturing, and very yin energetically. It's the opposite in that way from the energy of the sun, which is yang, it's active, extroverted, it's intense. In astrological terms, the moon is very much like the sign cancer as the moon rules cancer and the sun rules Leo. So the archetypes that correspond with those signs will loosely apply to the sun and the moon as entities as well. So when we're working with the energy of the moon, we are reflecting. On the evening of the new moon, you can think or journal, or if you are an external processor, you can talk with a trusted friend and see if there's anything in your life at the moment that you would be better off letting go of. It could be a habit, a relationship, a mindset. It could be anything. Oftentimes, this stuff will just pop up readily without much thought. It's just that it isn't always what we want to hear. So that's something to be aware of. If nothing comes up, that's totally fine. But if something does, you can release it in any way that feels right to you. You can speak it out loud and speak your intention that you are ready to let it go. That's a good place to start. You can write it on a piece of paper and throw it away. You can even set the paper on fire if you like theatrics. You can take a direct action like um, discontinuing a subscription, let's say to an email list or something like that, that's no longer resonating with you. The possibilities here are pretty endless. So where the new moon is about releasing and letting go, the full moon is a time of manifestation. The energy of the full moon is its kind of a cultural joke, really, that people act crazy and women go into labor in droves. You know, we've all heard that. And there is 
powerful energy associated with the full moon each month. That is true. You can harness this energy by doing a similar practice as with the new moon and take some time to reflect or meditate on what you want to begin or what you want to grow in your life. There are plenty of online tutorials about how to do this if you want more depth or more specifics, but I'm sure you get the point. So if you're doing a little ritual every 14 days in concert with the moon, it's such a natural and easy way to become more in tune with the rhythms of the earth and also more in tune with your inner self. If you'd like more concrete reminders and especially if you would also like the astrological information of the current moon cycle, one of my teachers blogs twice a month about the new and full moons, and I highly recommend getting on her mailing list because she sends out these really incredible, informative posts that just always end up being extremely relevant for what is happening for people at that moment. And it can be a really great assist for any moon cycle reflection practices you want to do. I will put a link to her blog in the show notes. I've already sent several people to her blog and they love it as much as I do. So a last note on the moon. I highly encourage women who are in their childbearing years to keep track of the different stages of their menstrual cycles. Many people use this as a method of preventing pregnancy, which is fine, it's great, but even if you don't want to use it like that, since your body is nature and it has a cyclical rhythm like the earth that we can observe, it's yet another way of tuning into this energy with the added bonus of also understanding your own physiological processes better. This used to be one of my favorite things to teach my clients when I was a doula because I just find it so fascinating. So now I'm going to run through some things that you can do to physically interact with the earth. And the more of these you can do, the better. But I invite you to really pay attention as I'm talking to which one is speaking to you the most. Most people tend to have a favorite element that really feeds their soul and relaxes them, and I want to help you find yours. I've noticed that it often, not always, but often, correlates with someone's most dominant chakra. So root chakra people tend to love the earth element. Sacral chakra people like myself tend to be most attracted to water, etc. So this is a really fun topic to explore. But I really encourage you to find the element that is calling to you as I'm speaking and go hang out with it this week to welcome in the summer season. Okay, so the first element is earth. The simplest thing you can do to connect with the earth element is something that is aptly called earthing. For those of you who don't know, earthing is very simply touching your bare skin to the earth. That's it. So walking barefoot on the beach or on the dirt or grass or even on concrete if it doesn't have a barrier between it and the ground, those are all great options. Concrete is 
semiconductive, so it's not quite as powerful as directly touching the earth, but it's still certainly better than nothing. Walking on a beach with wet sand or on moist grass are optimally effective because the water makes the earth even more conductive through our skin. As I'm talking about this, the absurdity of it is really hitting me that we have to relearn that it's a good idea to put our bare feet on the earth. Like it just, it sounds crazy, but this is reality. Our modern lifestyles have made it so that people are rarely barefoot anymore. And if you live in the city, that's probably best because God only knows what's on the ground. But being barefoot outside does so many great things for both body and soul. One of my teachers, Dr. Laura Conover, is an MD who has spent a large part of her career studying earthing and its effects in the scientific literature. And she's appeared in several documentaries about it. So I will put a link to her website in the show notes if you want more information from a physician's perspective about what earthing can do for the body. But just for a basic overview, as we go through life, our bodies build up a lot of free radicals. I'm sure you've heard about free radicals and how they contribute to things like aging and illness. And the more free radicals we have, the more our bodies carry a positive electrical charge. And handily enough, the earth happens to carry a slightly negative electrical charge. So when we are directly in contact with it, it is able to help neutralize the charge of our bodies. It's amazing to me how this stuff fits so perfectly together. Earthing is known to decrease inflammation, pain, reduce stress and insomnia, and it even improves jet lag, which is pretty cool. Virtually all buildings have flooring now that blocks the energy of the earth, except for those awesome garages and basements that still have concrete that was poured directly on the dirt. And on top of that, we wear rubber-soled shoes which means that even if, so imagine even if you spend 12 hours hiking, you're outside, you're getting all these great benefits from being outdoors and breathing the fresh air and moving your body, but we're still not getting any of the earth's electrical charge into our bodies. So we're really missing out on that. Earthing is a huge topic so I'm going to just wrap it up. Here's the takeaway. Walk barefoot directly on the earth whenever you can. Even five minutes is way better than nothing. Some people feel the effects immediately. If you're someone who spends most of your time in your upper chakras, then you might feel the effects right away. I'm noticing I keep bringing up chakras, so I should probably do a podcast about them at some point. But I've known a lot of upper chakra dominant people who maybe they spend an hour earthing for the first time. And then that night they have literally the best sleep of their lives. And I think that is so amazing. If you're more of a lower chakras person like me and you are already more present in your physical body, 
then you may not notice the effects as quickly. But please know that even if you don't feel a physical change, it doesn't mean your body isn't shifting in a positive way. You can reference the studies that have been done on people's blood markers when blood was drawn right before and right after earthing. And you can see that the body is reacting even if the person can't subjectively feel it. For the next three elements, I'm going to offer a modified suggestion in case you can't do the primary suggestion for whatever reason, but not for earth. Even if you don't have a yard, nearly everyone can walk or drive to a park where you can just put your bare feet on the earth. And from a pure enjoyment perspective, walking barefoot just feels good. It's, I mean, really, it feels so great. The longer I spend earthing, I've noticed, the harder it is for me to convince myself to put shoes on. It's like my body resists it and I have to like talk myself into it. The, it's like even the skin on the bottom of my feet feels different after earthing. Like my shoe feels different to me than it did before I was barefoot on the ground. So here we go. Sensory meditation again. I guess this is my consistent theme here on the podcast. Turn everything into a kinesthetic meditation. But really, your body will just eat earthing up. And then spiritually, earthing is a great concrete way to really feel what we discussed earlier about just feeling gratitude for the earth's support. Next, let's talk about my personal favorite element to connect with, which is water. You can swim in natural water. The ocean is amazing if you can get there. Also, natural lakes and rivers. I love any chance I can get to even just put my feet in a natural body of water. I'm really thankful to live just two hours away from Lake Tahoe because that is just my favorite source of water that I've encountered so far on the earth. It's so clean and clear and I love to just float on my back and feel the lovely movement of the water. Similarly to how the ground supports us, the water does the same when we float and it's kind of amazing that something so fluid can actually be so sturdy and hold us like that. The ocean is also great because it has lovely minerals in addition to just being a great source of natural water. And I'm specifying natural here because swimming in a chlorinated pool is not going to give you any of the same effects from a physical or energetic level like it's just not going to do it so I'm being specific about natural water and natural water is also really just soothing for the soul think about how many audio tracks are out there of rain ocean waves waterfalls all those things on a really primal level water is just comforting it's also very cleansing I wrote a blog post that I will link below about how I use water for many energy healing sessions that anyone can do on their own. I will offer an 
adaptation in case you can't make it to a natural water source anytime soon. Although I strongly suggest you try to at least once this summer and experience it with a mindset of this is a healing modality. But my blog post has more information in specific techniques, more than I can go into here. But you can take a very intentional bath or shower. You can close your eyes and experience the sensations of the water, the temperature, whether you're lying in it or it's running over you, and just take a moment of gratitude that we have water to hydrate us, to clean us, and just soak in the sensations. If there's anything you want to let go of in that moment, because water is so cleansing, you can visualize whatever it is you're ready to let go of, you can visualize it running off your body and down the drain as you acknowledge to yourself that you are letting it go. I do this a lot myself, especially after I do energy healing on people, and I absolutely love it. Okay, on to the fire element. We have our lovely sun. Summer is the best time to connect with the sun in the form of just getting the sun on your skin. This can happen, you know, by accident just because you're outside, or it can be more intentional in the form of sunbathing. I know that sun exposure is a really controversial topic, and since I'm not an expert on it, I will refer you to someone who is. There's an incredible book called Renegade Beauty that I will also link to in the show notes by a woman named Nadine Artemis. Nadine is the founder of this amazing Canadian essential oil company called Living Libations, and she has been studying the effects of the sun on people for decades. This book is, it's a, honestly, it's a treasure trove of all different kinds of health information, but especially for what Nadine calls wise interaction with the sun. So if you're one of those people who feels blissful and feels total relaxation while you're sitting in the sun, consider that there's a reason why. And don't fear the sun. Humans have not been dying of skin cancer in huge numbers for all of human history. So please look a little deeper if you think that you need to just wholesale avoid the sun or only go out if you're slathered in tons of sunscreen. Vitamin D supplements are new on the scene. It's always just been the sun and then the small amounts that occur naturally in food. If you're an extremely pale skinned person or if you're photosensitive for some other reason, here is another way to connect to the fire element. You can try a whole evening or multiple evenings of living by candlelight in your house. In the summer, because the sun sets so late anyway, it doesn't end up being a very long time, but surround yourself with actual fire. Let it light your world for those couple hours before bed and just notice how totally beautiful it is. Take a moment of gratitude 
to notice what fire does for our lives, how it gives us light, how it gives us warmth, how it cooks our food, and how it purifies. Because even the most destructive forest fires have their upsides, right? Because they spark new growth in the years after the fire. Now, for the last element that we are going to talk about today, we have air. And I want to introduce you to something called forest bathing. Forest bathing is also a type of, kind of a type of sensory meditation that was discovered, for lack of a better word, by Japanese physicians in the 1980s. And it's still pretty widely utilized in Japan as preventative medicine. They found the results to be good enough that they are keeping it around. You can find more depth, in-depth information on this online or also in uh, the book I mentioned earlier, Renegade Beauty. But forest bathing does a lot of great things to the body. Most notably, it turns off that ever-present fight-or-flight response that we tend to live in, and it switches the nervous system into a parasympathetic, relaxed state. But because we're talking about the air element, a very important reason that forest bathing works is because you're breathing this extremely fresh, pure air that is totally saturated in the essential oils coming off the trees that you're surrounded by. So if you can't get to a forest, you can diffuse some pure essential oils from the same trees that you would find in a forest, and then you can at least get partial benefits. So we're thinking about different types of cedar oils or fir oils, those would all be great options. If you don't have an essential oil diffuser and you aren't interested in purchasing one, although they're great and I highly recommend it, you can inhale the oils directly from the bottle. So please research and find a reputable company because the essential oil market is not regulated and many, I would say most oils, found in health food stores are highly adulterated and they're cut with things like canola oil, which is why they're usually so inexpensive compared to other brands. With essential oils, you really do generally get what you pay for. My personal favorite company is Living Libations, but doTERRA and Young Living are also totally solid choices. So if you're using essential oils as a way to emulate the effects of forest bathing, try to make your surroundings as forest-like as possible, which I know is kind of weird if you're like in your house, but at least as much silence as you can and have the air as fresh as possible, like not having a bunch of, you know, cooked food smells lingering. You can sit in ideally a smaller room, like a small bedroom or even a bathroom and dim the lights and diffuse the oils while taking slow, deep, intentional breaths. And know that the oil molecules that are suspended in the air are circulating through your respiratory system. You can do a visualization with this you can visualize that you're in the forest. That would actually be ideal to try to bring it home a little bit more. 
and you can envision the molecules actually entering your nose going right up into the limbic system of the brain which is what they do and you can feel your breathing get deeper and let the sense of the oils wash over you you can feel your chest open up mm, i want to go do that now okay so this podcast has been so fun to record because like i said at the beginning this is a huge passion of mine and i really think that in so many ways people would really benefit from habitual reconnection to nature and the elements so i would love to have you try at least a couple of the bajillion things i threw out today and of course if you try them i'd love to hear your experiences also please share if you end up doing anything special for the summer solstice you can contact me through my facebook page through my website or directly through email all of which i will put in the show notes feedback is really welcome because it would help me to know what is resonating with you and what you'd like to hear more of and if you're enjoying this podcast i would deeply appreciate if you could leave a review on itunes because the way the iTunes algorithm works, the more reviews a podcast has, the more visible it becomes to people searching. So I hope you have a lovely week reconnecting with nature, and I will catch you again next Friday.